Welcome to Sports Medicine Weekly on 670 The Score, your on-air resource for fitness, nutrition, and injury prevention and treatments for today's weekend warrior and professional athletes with renowned specialist of elbows, knees, and shoulders, Dr. Brian Cole, along with other health and fitness leaders, and your host, Steve Cashel, right here on 670 The Score. And good morning, everyone. Welcome into a brand new edition of Sports Medicine Weekly on this Sunday morning. I'm Steve Cashel, joined by my usual co-host, Dr. Brian Cole. He is the head team physician with the Chicago Bulls, one of the team physicians with the Chicago White Sox, sports medicine specialist, orthopedic surgeon from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. Our website is sportsmedicineweekly.com. And Dr. Cole, right off the bat... Um, very sad news in the uh, Chicago sports world this week. We lose one of the great ones, one of my idols growing up uh, in the 60s and early 70s when I was growing up in Park Ridge. Uh, Gail Sayers, the great Bears running back, uh, passes away and uh, electric runner. So much fun to watch. Um, but of course, his uh, career was cut short by knee surgery and, and the knee injury. Um, my question to you this morning, Dr. Cole, is um, how has science changed? And if Gail Sayers was playing uh, these days, uh, might he have had a longer career? It's a great question, Steve, and I know it's been on some people's mind because when you think about Gail Sayers, you almost have this impression like he had this, you know, 10-year career. And it was, it, was, it was a really short career. I think it was a total of like 68 games. Um, but uh, he, he, was, he was one of the greatest running backs of all time. And um, I would say that when you look at, he had an injury, for example, where uh, he had one in, I think, 1968 and then one in 1970. And it's the one in 1970, I think, that really uh, sort of uh, was the pivotal one. But w- w- on one of those injuries, for example, he was operated on the same day or the same evening. And uh, that was by uh, uh, Dr. Theodore Fox, actually, in the in the in the late in the late 60s. And essentially, what we used to do, and I should say I shouldn't say we. I think I was seven years old at the time. Uh, what was done is that they would fix the ligament on the inside of the knee, the medial collateral ligament, with a staple. They wouldn't fix the ACL, and then they put him in a cast for six to eight weeks, and it would basically turn the leg into cement that you'd have to rehab for months to get out of that. And wow. we now would, it's crazy. I mean, we now wouldn't operate on the first day. It'd be very rare that that would happen. We often don't ever treat the medial collateral ligament with surgery, and then we would treat the ACL when the knee has full motion and no pain, typically you know, three to four weeks after the injury, and, and, there, and there may not be any uh, deviation or, or, or shortening of an individual's career. So it was pretty archaic and we've gone sort of 180 degrees to what we used to do and you know he was at the time he injured his knee was around the time that we started to do ACL reconstructions and it was being done in Germany in some form format there was some soft tissue operations that aren't exactly like we do today but it was really the early 1970s had he injured himself then that we were starting to do these procedures where they're just like we do today maybe a little more elegant or minimally invasive but we could do a good operation in the early 1970s but it wasn't routinely done in the late 60s and unfortunately he was treated with immediate surgery give him a staple on the inside to stabilize it side to side and throw him in a cast and unfortunately we just weren't there yet at that time and that was the result yeah and and one one reason uh, dr cole from what i've learned in this show and even with the derrick rose injury uh with my time with the bulls um you know the the torn acl you, you the reason you don't do surgery the night of i mean you you kind of let that swelling go down is that the main reason 
Yes. I mean, because there's a risk of getting post-operative stiffness if we operate too quickly. I remember, you know, even when we were, you know, timing uh, Derek's surgery, I was, you know, being asked, well, why not just do it, get him rehabbed on the other side, take advantage of time. If you rush the surgery, the incidence of stiffness goes up by 10 to 15 percent. If you, if, you, if you wait it out, then you get a quiet knee, they're not swollen, they have full range of motion, they have good quad control, and the risk of post-operative complications related to stiffness goes down to less than 5 percent. So the timing of surgery is really important, and you don't really want to do it on the heels of a recent injury. Okay, let's move on. And Dr. Cole, we've got a great guest on the line. Very interesting story. Let me set this up if I can. Uh, we're going to interview a gentleman named Daniel Fells. Uh, played 10 years in the NFL with seven different teams. And very interesting, a tight end uh, who suffered a chronic ankle injury, turning out to be a methicillin-resistant staph aureus infection, that type of infection also known as, known as MRSA, largely resistant to antibiotics. Seven surgeries to get Daniel's infection under control. At one time, doctors informed him that amputation may be required. So, wow, quite a story right here, Dr. Cole. It is, Steve, and we've had a number of MRSA infections uh, in the past in the uh, uh, in the baseball training room, and we've had it in the NBA training room. So uh, there are procedures in place now that we didn't have a long time ago. You know, they used to share bars of soap and towels and, and things like that, but it's now there's sort of universal precautions largely because of this exact issue, which can be devastating and shorten, unfortunately, shorten an athlete's career. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for joining us uh, from California this morning. So you're up early, but um, really appreciate you being here on Sports Medicine Weekly. Uh, can you, I, you know, I kind of summarize the story. Um, tell me how it was from your angle. Oh, man. Well, well first off, thank you guys for having me on. Um, you know, like, as you said, I played 10 years in the league and I, I felt like I had a lot more left in the tank, but, uh, you know, I ran into my, uh, kryptonite, you know, I like to say I was you know, in my prime and in the best shape of my life and, you know, coming off of a, a decent year, the year prior to, and I, you know, I had high hopes for that following year. Uh, and then three weeks in, uh, I ended up in a hospital over 18 days had seven surgeries while I was in that hospital. Uh, you know, the doctors had mentioned amputation. If we couldn't get the infection under control with all the antibiotics that I was on, uh, they just couldn't couldn't figure out the right combination to kind of get this, you know, put this thing at bay. And, you know, at one point, you know, we, th- we thought we stopped the spread of the infection, and then it was in my lungs, you know. So I had spores in my lungs with infection, and so they thought it was in my, in the, in my bloodstream. Um, they had to get there through the bloodstream. Um, so they had to check my heart and everything, and, but the grace of God, like, I, I made it out of that. Like, it wasn't in my heart. Um, but, yeah, after 18 days in the hospital, I was finally released, went home, and I was on intravenous antibiotics for 14 weeks, had three more surgeries to kind of clean out the area. Uh, the infection got into my, my tibia, so they had to remove And, yeah, it was uh, quite the ordeal that, that has left me still scarred today. Daniel, did you get this infection without surgery? In other words, did you, was it wasn't a surgical infection. It was you got a MRSA infection, and then it required seven surgeries to eradicate or get rid of it. Is that what happened? Yes. Like, uh, you know, as you know, Doc, I, I don't know exactly where I got it from. You know, there's no way of actually going back and testing where I got it from. Um, but right, it but it was, pre-sur- like it was pre-surgery, though, right? It was before you Correct. had an operation? Correct. Got it. So did your ankle joint get infected, and that led to the tre- all the treatments you had? I believe so, yeah. So yeah. I, I had an arthritic ankle and whatnot, and 
Um, just had some pain one morning, and that pain grew into a serious infection. Like there, there was no sores or anything like the typical, um, you know, appearance that there may be an infection on the outside of the skin. Um, but, you know, after having my ankle aspirated in the hospital, after I couldn't really walk on it, they found that uh, I was septic. We're visiting with Daniel Fells, who played 10 years in the NFL before MRSA wiped out his career in 2015. Dr. Cole, what's your experience with um, maybe how MRSA sets in? Well, you know, what's interesting, Steve, is that a lot of us are what we call colonized with MRSA. In other words, if we were to swab uh, the nose of every individual who comes in, say, for surgery, many of us are kind of walking around with this and just don't know it. And it seems to be what we call an opportunistic infection. In other words, there's some like glitch or, you know, uh, vulnerability that leads to someone getting infected and they don't know how, like, like Daniel said, it could have been in his bloodstream and then seeded his joint. And one of the issues is if you have an arthritic joint, for example, it's, it's almost like a feeding ground and it, all it takes is brushing your teeth or some aberrant, you know, single bacteria lodging itself there and then it's a favorable environment to start dividing and it's not really on anyone's radar because it's so common in terms of being in our environment it's on tons and tons of surfaces but it takes a host meaning the patient to actually allow it to take over and there's a lot of unfortunately there's a lot of stories like this i think we've done better now because we've identified that it can be you know when you think about people in the locker room and all the things that are shared and so forth and obviously this is another, you know, things are going to change moving forward because of COVID. But, you know, we used to share bars of soap and and brushes and combs and all that stuff. And now when I think, when I think about it now, it seems kind of gross. But back then, you know, would you, the, the, people didn't give a second thought about sharing a bar of soap, you know. It's soap, for God's sakes, right? So it didn't seem like that was a problem. But now everything is totally different. And it's even gotten to the point now where the way they handle laundry and dirty clothes, uh, for example, uh, is handled differently because of the MRSA. So we haven't eradicated MRSA, but I think I haven't, knock on wood, seen an infection for a very long time. The other time way we sometimes see it is someone gets sort of a boil or like a pimple or something like that, that it takes off in, into a formal MRSA infection. But the kind of infection that Dan has, we were really familiar with. We've seen it in all the different locker rooms. You see it in the college setting, but I haven't seen it, thank goodness, uh, in, in the locker room for a very long time uh, uh, in this exact fashion. Yeah, we're visiting with Daniel Fells. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Cole. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly on this Sunday morning. Uh, Daniel, who played 10 years in the NFL with seven different NFL teams, um, had his career wiped out uh, with MRSA in 2015. And by the way, a recent CDC study found that linens or soft surfaces are especially ripe for infection spread much more than the hard surfaces like door handles. The recontamination threats that uh, textiles pose uh, cannot be solved with common laundry detergent or bleach. Uh, the minute they are pulled out of the dryer and moved to a locker, a room, or onto a person's body, they become contaminated. So leaving a significant void in any infection prevention strategy. And uh, Daniel, uh, I know there's now um, a product. Uh, tell us about this one, SilvaClean, an anti microbial a product that um, uh, used to clean laundry and prevent the spread of the disease. Uh, this is something that I know six NFL teams are using. And tell us more about that. Uh, yeah, of course. So, you know, uh, obviously this is something that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, as Doc mentioned, like infection prevention has never been more important than it is now. You know, everyone's paying attention to hygiene and cleanliness now, especially with you know, COVID-19 wrecking havoc on our world. 
Um, and, you know, th- these dangers have always existed. And, you know, now I'm, I, I, I've turned my focus to eradicating, you know, them from sports to start with. And, you know, obviously we want to get it eradicated from the entire world, but my mission is to prevent what happened to me from not happening to anyone else in any sort of, you know, in, in any sort of fashion, right? So this company, Applied Silver, um, they have this amazing product. You know, it, it, it's groundbreaking technology. Um, it, it's unlike any infection prevention technology that exists today. Uh, in fact, the EPA has certified it as the only technology of its kind. And so what it does, it, it, it's an infection. It, it's a disinfectant that kills germs once. I mean, I'm sorry, most disinfectants kills germs only one time. You know, it's like an instant kill, like bleach or something like that. Uh, SilverClean, this product is a continuous kill. It kills germs the moment laundry comes out of the dryer, making recontamination a non-issue. You know, you can touch it, you can sneeze on it. The silver ions that are infused into the fabric once you use the SilverClean product, uh, they're constantly killing any germs that come into contact with it. It's interesting. Silver uh, has this natural antimicrobial effect. We're using silver, for example, in surgical dressings, embedded in surgical dressings. Uh, other th- similar things that have these properties have been looked at to use on top of uh, uh, Im- uh, implants that we use in orthopedic procedures. Can you? I, I, this technology is pretty cool. I, I'm interested. Like, can you explain, just the, without going into too much detail, is this something that you would? You put in a, wa- in a you know, the, we have these huge washing machines, for example, at our training facilities to wash, you know, you know, you know, lots and lots of heavy-duty stuff after a game uh, or after practice. Is this something that you adapt a laundry machine to? Is it something you toss in the machine like a pod? What is it? Uh, so so what, it, what it does is it adapts to the commercial washing machines at the moment. Obviously, we're working on trying to get this to, on a grander scale. Um, but in the, mo- in the meantime, it connects to commercial washing machines. Um, it, it, it adapts to the systems that are currently used that dispense the bleaches or whatever detergents or whatever chemicals you're putting into these washing machines. Uh, wow. SilverClean will adapt to it seamlessly, and it is integrated through the rinse cycle, which it protects, it, it coats all of the clothing or whatever textiles or fabrics you have in the washing machine. And in turn, when, it, when they come out, they are antimicrobial. And how long does it last for? Uh, it lasts... Pretty much indefinitely. Obviously, you know, it, it will last throughout the until the next wash. Got it. So, I mean, yeah. at, every yeah. time that it goes back in there and gets rewashed, it is reapplied every single time. Um, but, you know, we, we have things in storage that, that were treated, you know, years ago, and the efficacy level is still, you know, off the charts. Is it like a liquid that you pour in, or is there actually a mechanical aspect that has to distribute, you know, silver to the to the process? There's actually, uh, so we have like this actual unit that dispenses it, but think, imagine uh, like an IV bat. That's the actual solution. So there's not a high dosage that needs to be implemented into Got every it. single cycle, but it, it. The, the science behind it and the technology and the, you know, the smart people who designed all that and discovered it could probably give you a better insight into exactly how much and how it goes in there. But this, like I said, it's one of a kind. Who's using it now? You have some uh, penetration now into the NFL and NBA and so forth? Uh, so, you know, we have, uh, let's see, it's been adopted by several NFL teams, um, teams including like the 49ers, the Saints, and the Cowboys. Um, obviously, we're trying to push it further and trying to get into every single NFL team, NBA team, every sports team. Um, you know, we, we, over, over the 
past two seasons, we've uh, collected data from the Saints and the 49ers locker rooms, um, and that da- that data has shown a drop in pathogen levels to zero. You know, that, that's wow. just incredible, right? Great stuff. And is this a uh, final question? Again, visiting with Daniel Fells, um, who's uh, talking about uh, a new product called SilvaClean. Uh, use the clean laundry to prevent the spread of, of MRSA. Uh, a disease that's largely resistant to antibiotics. Is this something that our listeners like can use at home, Daniel, or mostly for the uh, for the professional and college and maybe high school sports teams right now? Uh, in, in the in the current state that we're in right now, we it, it's uh, for the professional teams, for the hospitals, the hotels, things of that nature. Um, we are developing, you know, trying trying to get this thing into every household eventually, right? Um, it's a fairly younger company, so, you know, we're developing, we're moving forward, and we will try to get in every household. Um, but in the meantime, we're on the on the bigger scale right now. Fantastic. And, uh, hey, final question, Daniel Fells. You played 10 years in the NFL. Uh, congratulations on your career. Sorry, it was uh, um, cut out, cut short by MRSA. But uh, how are you feeling these days following all those surgeries? Uh I, I, I appreciate it. Um, I am, I'm okay. You know, like mentally and physically, it took me several years to kind of get back on my feet to just kind of walk up and down stairs. Um, and mentally, you know, wrapping my mind around my career being done and trying to figure out the next chapter of my life. It, it, it's been, it's been tough, but you know, I, by the grace of God, I'm here. I have my wife and I have my two kids, and you know we're doing remote learning like a lot, so many people across the country. And you know I am I'm definitely fortunate in that sense. You know I, I just wanted to add like you know it's it's it was such a whirlwind for me, and so many people are so familiar with the story of Alex Smith right now. You know and he how he had the devastating injury, and you know he's the most prominent example of you know an infection gone wrong. And, you know, I was reading that, you know, doctors found some dirty sock in his wound. You know, like, and it, it's incredible. Like, they found traces of a dirty sock in his wound. And I, I can't help but think, you know, if Silver Clean were used, whether it's in the house or in the, in the locker room or wherever it was before he put the sock on, like, would this infection have ran rapid like, as it did? Wow, so, great I mean, stuff, just, Daniel. Yeah, it's a, it's a great story to tell. And uh, really appreciate you joining us and uh, continued good health on your end. And um, good luck with this new product that uh, obviously is uh, making a difference out there for everybody. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys having me on. That's Daniel Fells, former NFL player. We're going to take a break right now in Sports Medicine Weekly. When we come back, it's our Ask the Doctor segment. Stay with us only on 670 The Score.